All right, y'all, I have a fucking huge announcement to make. One of the products that I first started working on in product development right when I got to Onnit is a product called Total Nitric Oxide, and it's exactly what you think it is. It is a product designed to give you a great pump, increased cardio, and make you feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger while you're working out. Total Nitric Oxide works by helping circulation via the NO pathway activation. It aids in delivery of oxygen and nutrients to working tissue, and it supports cellular integrity. Boosting your body's nitric oxide production is like shifting into a higher gear during intense exercise, ensuring that your muscles are provided with the oxygen and nutrients needed while removing excess waste that may cause fatigue, promoting performance, recovery, and growth. It also doubles as a bedroom pump. So when you're getting ready to get in there with the misses, I have a scoop about 30 minutes before, and you bring your best foot forward for the lady. Uh, if you catch my drift. Most nitric oxide products in the market suck balls. They are all uh, loaded with extra shit in them, caffeine, stimulants, and artificial flavors, colorings. Obviously, anything coming from on it is going to be all natural. This is amazing. We use fermented beetroot, oxyphite grapeseed extract, oxyphite apple extract, acerola cherry extract in the proprietary blend, citrulline malate, arginine nitrate, NO3, Tea is a very special form of arginine and careflow, which is fermented mango fruit powder. The fermented mango fruit powder is the kicker. It is a incredibly powerful polyphenol, which helps upregulate your body's ability to make nitric oxide from the other products within this product. All these things have a synergy. All these things are on purpose and by design. We practice testing this out for the better part of a year and, uh, it takes a while to get out, but here it is. I'm fucking long awaited. Total nitric oxide for performance and pump. You can stack it with any other pre-workout. I stack it with the total keto daily. Some of the people here stack it with total strength and performance or just creatine and glutamine. Whatever you want to stack it with, completely stackable. And it's one of the best products we've ever put out on the market. I know you guys are going to dig it. For 10% off, go to onit.com slash Kyle and look for the total nitric oxide. The majority of Americans live with tired, dry eyes, blurry vision, or headaches caused by screens. Sound familiar? We're in front of our laptops. We're in front of our TVs. When we get home, we're in front of our cell phones all damn day, and I'm no better. If this sounds familiar, Felix Gray glasses are for you. Felix Gray glasses filter out 90% of high-energy blue light and eliminate 99% of the glare coming from your daily barrage of screens. Unlike other blue light glasses, Felix Gray uses proprietary blue light technology embedded into the lens, as opposed to cheap coating that can easily chip or scratch over time. More importantly, they look fucking cool. They don't look like your dorky ass glasses you see Dave Asprey walking around Paleo FX wearing. These are awesome, and for the most part, you wouldn't even tell that they're blue blocking glasses. They've got prescription lens available if you need prescription, and they've got darker models too. They have something for every type of head size. This is important because I got a fat noggin. Uh, bottom line is these are the best glasses, prescription or non-prescription available to help mitigate some of the perils of modern technology. So if you go over to felixgreatglassescom slash Kyle, you'll get free shipping and 30 days of risk-free returns or exchanges. That's felixgreatglassescom slash Kyle. Hello, hello. We've got Brad Kearns on the show today. He is an amazing dude. I've been following him for a while. He's homies with our good friend, Mark Sisson, and they've co-authored some really amazing books. Uh, the Keto Reset Diet is one that I think is probably the most in-depth look at ketosis, but 
Brad goes way past that. Obviously, they're working on another keto book right now, Keto Longevity. But the truth is, Brad has far more to offer than just dietary advice and strength and conditioning or training for Ironman and all that good stuff. And we take it really damn deep on this podcast. He's funny. He's a great talker. I know you guys are going to dig it. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're, cla- we're clapped in. We just had a long discussion on the benefits of nicotine, but I got my man Brad Kearns in the house. Thanks for joining. Kyle, I'm so glad to be here. I walked by your table at the loud, crazy, crowded gathering, but man, I, I, I just like locked into you. You had some energy flowing or something, and um, we got into it. We got into some pretty, pretty heavy conversation in, in seven minutes there about your sex panel, the <laughs> highlight of Paleo FX. There was the highlight. You're telling me about some, some crazy gray-haired woman that was going off talking about best techniques for blowjob and I'm laughing and then I, I was telling someone else a story and 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 my friend goes there she is right there I'm like hey were you the one on the panel and then she went into it with me oh too. yeah yeah. yeah you could tell like Tips she's tricks anytime you talk to somebody who's passionate about what they do like she loves her job not that her job is sucking dick but like her <laughs> job is she's she's like a sex coach online she has a huge oh. YouTube following but she was passionate and she was talking about engorgement and how <laughs> the, the part of the penis you see is not the full penis. It goes back and there's, you know, the prostate gland and the P spot and the G spot and all these different things. She's like, you got to work all of that. And she's, she's talking to the crowd. She says, and you got to get as much of it in your mouth as you can. And I fucking lost it. I was like, yes, get it, get it, get it. This old white haired lady. She is great, man. She was really good. And welcome to the Kyle Kingsbury podcast. We yeah. are here, yep, here in the studio talking about talking dick. Yeah. yeah, just talking dick. Yeah. Well, I want to get your I want to get your background because you know I followed you over the years, and um, we did a podcast with Mark Sisson not too long ago, um, out there. But I was like, man, I, I was you know he was obviously uh, pumping you up as well, and I'm like, I got to get Brad on at some point. So it was really cool to see that you were here at Paleo FX this year and that we're speaking on a panel together. It's like, let me see if I yeah, can get him. We, we killed that great. panel. Yeah. Crushed it. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. But I want to get your background. Are you you have been a triathlete. You've done Ironman. You've done a lot of crazy stuff that, um, you know, as you pointed out, maybe isn't the best for your body. But I want to get I want to get into all that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about keto. Let's talk about what led you here today as being like one of the premier coaches in health and wellness. Thanks, man. Uh, well, I go back to uh, I wanted to be a football player like you in high school. And I went out for tryouts. I believe I was five feet and about 105 pounds. And I, I watched the football team come out for practice. I'm like, man, those varsity guys are big. I was talking to my buddy JB. We were both going to try out. And uh, the guy's like, that's not the varsity, dude. That's the that's the frosh soft team. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the coach sees goes, what do you guys want? And I go, uh, uh, I want to know where the cross-country team practices. He goes, down the stairs to the stadium, go over there. So that began my running career in high school instead of football. And I became a pretty passionate runner. I had a great time. Uh, I made it to the state finals in California. I made it to the National Junior Olympics finals. So I had this success as a young guy in this endurance sport. I was naturally adapted to it. And that was, you know, feeding this passion. I wanted to be a runner in college. I went to UC Santa Barbara and I got sick and injured five seasons in a row. They destroyed me with the traditional training model where it's like survival of the fittest and we'll pull 21 guys and seven of them will do well. Seven of them will do mediocre and seven of them will get bombed out injured. And it still exists today. So it's kind of 
ridiculous how here we are decades later with human optimization performance laboratories and the right supplements <laughs> and heart rate variability and the average high school or college running athlete, especially in endurance scene, they're overtraining, beating their brains out, and it's 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 tough to watch. So I'm glad to be in this career as coach, author, working with Mark Sisson, developing the primal the primal thing. But through this college running experience, I became attracted to this brand new sport of triathlon. And this enabled me to go and train without getting injured because I'm doing swimming and biking and then not so much running, not that constant daily pounding. Spread so, it out a little bit yeah. rather than focusing all, yeah, exactly yeah, the yeah. daily pounding. Yeah. So I had a great time training on my own. It was a brand new sport. You know, nobody, nobody knew what was going on uh, and just show up at these races, try to piece it together. And it was, it was so much fun. And then, um, then a great tragedy occurred in my life, which was graduating from college. So I went from like UCSB on the beach, going surfing, riding my bike, swimming in the ocean to suit and tie, traffic jams, downtown LA, hour and 15 minutes each way in traffic to go work for the world's largest accounting firm. And I made it 11 weeks. And like during that time, I was getting into all this stuff that, you know, we, you guys talk about on the podcast and your dreams and your intention and your vision. And it's like, this is not my life. No offense to all you accountants out there who've had a wonderful career and it's an important role in life, uh, but it just, I felt out of place. And it was just this constant, you know, s- stress and anxiety and frustration like, what am I doing here? But there's so much pressure and there's so many forces around you saying, oh, major in account or take the accounting track of your economics major and you'll get hired right off campus and you'll make big bucks and it's wonderful. Uh, so after that 11 weeks, I, I announced my retirement to the firm. And I told the, told the boss, man, I was going to go pursue a career as a professional triathlete. So this was a total random, there, there was nobody making money except for a few top guys. They were called the big four and they won all the races and they had the endorsements. And I, I dreamed of being like these guys. And I, I went out there and put my toe on the starting line and I'd get like 24th and 27th and 19th and 17th. And look, I was only six minutes behind, you know, which is a, <laughs> an eternity, but I was coming from this place of a pure motivation, and I believe that's my most important message that I give now to my, my reflections as an athlete, is I was out there because I love the journey, and I love the process of pushing and challenging my body, building these new skills, uh, trying to get better each time. So I'd always have a positive outlook, like I'd look at the race results, and they'd, they'd calculate your swim, your bike, and your run time. And I was six minutes behind in the swim, four minutes behind the bike. But look, I ran with the, the third top pro, because I was coming from running, of course. So mm-hmm. all I have to do is improve 10 minutes and eternity. <laughs> and, I, and I always had this dream and I was building, building, and I never had any negative messaging like, uh, dude, you're not making any money. What are you doing with your life? You're wasting it. And none of that. It was just nonstop fun and adventure and excitement. So this like haphazard approach where I'd wake up, And if I was tired, I wasn't feeling it, I'd go back to sleep, I'd do something easy, I'd wake up the next day, if I felt it, I'd go and I'd explore new mountain territories on my bike, and I'd ride and ride and ride, because I didn't have any limitations on myself either, where we're now we're into this structured environment where, oh, your HRV's four points down, or you got to build 10% this week and then drop it down, and it's very scientific, but I was this total intuitive athlete with a pure motivation. So I recognized that was like my, my centerpiece, my 
center of power for peak performance. So something happened at the very end of my rookie year after getting my, my butt kicked in every race. I went to this huge race. It was a showdown between the two top guys in the world who'd never race each other. And I upset everybody and, and won by a good margin. So I, I came across the line. And they're like, couple questions. A, did you do the whole route? And B, who the hell are you? You know, but uh, that ushered in like a, uh, a new kind of uh, perspective for me where now I feel like, hey, maybe I could make a go and make a career of this. Maybe I can race these guys. I just, I just knocked them off. There was a rematch race six weeks later and I won by a bigger margin. And so this time they were gunning for me. There were guys in the pack like watching me and keeping my pace, but I was in really great shape because I'd had this run of beautiful training that was completely uh, without impure influence. Um, then guess what happens? You start to get a name for yourself. You come home from a, a training session. You got 18 phone messages instead of one. Uh, you start dealing with the business aspects. And now this person wants to be my agent. This person says, don't get an effing agent. Do it this way. Do it that way. So all this stress and pressure and anxiety built as I became a known person. And now I'm in the magazine. And I'm wearing shirts with names on it and all these things. What happens when that happens? Oh, now I got to get serious, man. I can't take any days off. I can't rest. I got to time myself on all these routes, making sure I'm hitting my checkpoints. And of course, I struggled and suffered uh, from that, you know, that, that mindset that was flawed and, and getting away from that pure motivation. So I had to learn this lesson over and over. And I remember like crashing and burning out of a race going, this sucks. This feels like the accounting job where I'm here <laughs> for, for pressures and expectations and hearing voices or mm. feeling insecure because we just did a workout together and you kicked my ass. And I'm like, well, well, Kyle, what kind of training are you doing? Oh, I do kettlebell. Oh, maybe I should do that. And switching my route, switching what worked for me. So I had to grow you know, through this athletic experience. And I think you can reference too, like there's nothing more intense and dramatic for lessons of success and failure and lessons of life than athletic arena. Because you, you can't give no excuse after you get your ass kicked. Like, oh, you know. Especially uh, in single sports like triathlete right, or, or fighting. Or fighting yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's not like you can be like, my, my coach really fucked that one up. You right. Know? It's like, right. dude, my, you're, my you're the guy that's let in me there. down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my teammates let me down. All right, guys, real quick, I want to tell you about another amazing product from Organifi their liver detox. It is one of the best products I've ever taken. And I know what you're thinking. Why the hell do I need to detox my liver? I eat pretty clean. I work out. I'm in good shape. I have good health. But maybe you're like me. Maybe you went hard to the paint while in college at Arizona State University and probably did some things that weren't so good for the liver. Or maybe you're a little bit older and you've been eating pretty good food most of your life, but for a long time you didn't. We now know there's quite a few chemicals that have been introduced into our food supply since I was born in the 80s and even more in the last 100 years. So it's really important that we optimize our detox pathways. And Organifi's liver detox is one of the best. It's got trifala extract, dandelion root extract, milk thistle extract, and artichoke leaf extract. If you go to Organifi.com and punch in Kyle at checkout, you'll receive 20% off this and any other product you want. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com using code word Kyle at checkout for 20% off. Thank you. Well, you talk, you touched on it a lot there. And I think that something that's so important, and we were talking about this on the panel, is the ability to listen to your body. And I didn't really get that until the end of my career. And it's funny, as people, anybody who followed me, they saw that I lost my last four fights. So they're like, well, it didn't look like you learned much at the end of your career, but at least I was training smarter. Um, 
I think it looks like you had that to begin with. And then through the pressures right. where we're like fucking constantly going back and forth, toggling between doing it right and doing it wrong and suffering the consequences. Yeah, it is. It is nice. You know, again, you touched on another another topic that I want to get into is this double edged sword of technology where it can illuminate a lot of what's going on inside from an HRV standpoint, recovery, rest, how well you slept, all of that. But if you're basing 100 percent of your decisions around that, it's kind of you're kind of missing the point. Right. It, it, it takes it takes the fun out of training, but it also takes the feel out of your body, because if you use it to listen to your body better, you can use it as a tool that helps you to understand your body better. But if you're using that as the, the holy grail, if you will, for your training, then, yeah, you're like, oh, I got to take the day off. My HRV score wasn't as good as it should be. Yeah. And, you know, I'll yeah. train hard tomorrow. And then whatever happens, you don't sleep well. Your kid comes in, in the middle of the night. And now now you've missed, you know, any you haven't pushed hard a single day that week <laughs> because of circumstance. Right. Hey, you know, your listeners are familiar with Kelly Starrett. Mm -hmm. I yep. feel like he's, you know, at the top of his game. You know what he uh, identifies as the number one training metric ever discovered, never beaten by blood work, laboratory, whatever? Desire to train. Mm. What's your desire to train today? Yeah. And so going by that, and the heart rate helps because uh, we got heart rate monitors in when I was starting my career in 1987. This is 32 years ago. It, it was the polar one. The they polar, have the H7 and it was now. The size it was the polar of a one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a square thing on your on your on your wrist. Uh, but getting connected to what you're doing and realizing when you're exceeding your heart rate due to your competitive intensity and all those impure influences. Like I said, I'm trying to go faster on my route today. Well, wait a second. You hit a heart rate. Now we're in an entirely new progressive realm. So I'm not going to trash all this stuff, but I'm like, use it to your advantage. But desire to train is number one. And then we then we go from there. And like, you lost your last four fights. I lost my last 14 fights too, man. <laughs> and after a while, like... I had a I had a good friend. His name was Peter. He was an Aussie, and he had a he had a gruff way about him. And he would call me up after my last string of races, and he'd call me up and he'd go, "Kerns, you fucking suck, mate. You should fucking retire right now. Goodbye." And he'd hang up. <laughs> I love and it. Everybody the else, best kind of coach. <laughs> everybody else in my scene would be like, "Hey." Uh, so you had a good bike ride? Yeah, my runs suck, but I, I have something to think about. And I tell my sponsors, like, I'm building up for another race and feeling good, you know, and you're just telling yourself the story that it's okay, but it's not okay. And I didn't want to face it because I had a nine-year run and it was fun and I was on top and had great success. I was national champion. I was ranked third in the world at my best. And then I started slipping down like, wait a second. Oh, that, that workout that I did time was F-ass slower than it was before. And that does mean something. You know, so this, you know, this checkpoint of someone saying, you fucking quit, mate. You're done. You had, I remember when you were good, you know, he would go <laughs> off on me. And then like, I remember having a, a great, I, I got a win. I bagged a win during my, one of my struggling years, my, my last year. And I'm like, I can't wait till this mofo calls up. I'm like, W baby. And he goes, who was second? I go, uh, uh, Kelsey, never heard of him. Who was third? Uh, uh, Wilson, never heard of him. Who was fourth? He sucks. Never heard of him. So we're going down to like seventh. <laughs> yeah. So even the win was discounted, but it, it was so spot on. There was nothing more honest than that. And I knew it deep down in my heart. So I'm, I mean, I'm referencing you lose four fights. That's, it's a fucking great career. It doesn't matter. You know, it's yeah. just like learning experience and progress to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. To the dark side. That's right. <laughs> this guy, Mike Pig, maybe your listeners know, he was one of the greatest of all time. He was number one for many years. And uh, he kept going, kept going. He was, you know, getting his endorsements and trying to cash that thing out and go as long as he could. And then he called me up one day and he's like, 
Kearns, I know you've been on the dark side for a few years. What should I do? I need a career now. And we had to have that talk like, all right, man, you got to unwind this thing. And guess what? Those peak performance attributes that you adopted in your athletic career can be translated right over to business so you can kick some butt. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. I'm like, no, 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 not school, dude. We don't put a top triathlete who was a independent, hard-driving, stubborn dude into a school classroom. I'm like, you got to go sell real estate. That's your only choice because you don't have to get an education of, of too much length and then you can go in and compete in this forum. And that's what he does today. It was a fun, you know. He's probably doing pretty damn good at it too. Oh, a bunch of guys are doing stuff, but it's like some of them get it going. We talked about this a little bit at dinner. Like some of them leverage all that stuff and then some of them don't. And some mm. of my boys that I watched high school football, my son didn't play. He was a baller, but the football team was making it all the way to section. They were 12 and 0 players of the year awards accolades and now they're like not getting it together in adult life and i'm like wait a second you had you gained more yards and scored more touchdowns than anyone in the history of the section whatever where's that all going and so i think like any person who's athletic listening is like man we got to leverage some of this stuff that we've been through instead of reminiscing and sitting back and going yeah back in the day you know, and boy, oh boy, I mean, we're all guilty of that if we if we get that wind up, you know, wind up on our back and twist the dial. But yeah, there's yeah. a there's a character actually from a movie, and it's probably it was like a teen movie. So when I was a teen, I watched it. It's called Can't Hardly Wait, and uh, might have been might have been you know past past your your genre by the time it came out. But uh, there's a character in it that Jerry O'Connell plays, Trick Mc, Trip McNeely. And he's showing up, he's in college, but he keeps showing up to all the high school parties and he's wearing his <laughs> fucking Letterman jacket. And he's just nonstop. He can't stop talking about the glory days of when they won state and all this other shit. Even Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Like, man, I would, we would have won a state if the coach would put me in. He's, I could throw a football a quarter mile. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, yeah, everyone knows that guy. That's why it's so funny oh. because you're like, everyone knows that guy, right? And yeah. You have that guy who lives in the past or you have the guy who just won't stop. You know, like... It's Ricky Henderson. I love the guy. He loves baseball. He's one of the greatest players of all time, but he played all the way. He played himself down a triple A ball as long as he could just because he loved the game. I didn't know there's that. part of that that's really cool. Yeah. And then another part that's like, dude, there's more to life than that game. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're into, like there's a lot more to it than that. And yeah. you can, if you choose to, take those skills out into the real world or whatever that means and do something else with it. Well, my thing, if I can, if I can hack into the podcast for a moment, is this this great recent discovery of uh, I, I broke the Guinness World Record last year for the fastest single hole of golf ever played, and it's an offshoot of my favorite sport of speed golf, where we play we play a tournament round, eighteen holes, and they count your strokes and they count your minutes. So you have this. It's not like hockey puck golf where you're just racing through. You got to shoot a good score. And everything counts the points. So the stroke counts for a point, the minutes count for a point. So like my best tournament ever, I shot a 78, which is a pretty good round for me in 47 minutes, running pretty high speed anaerobic threshold, carrying five clubs, hitting these shots, hitting the next shot. And so that's a 125 in speed golf. And the best guys are out there. They will shoot par on a championship course in 45 minutes, 47 minutes. I mean, Damn. it's an amazing sport. Grassroots, you know, underground sport. But this has been my recent passion. And then I found this thing on YouTube where the Guinness Guinness Book has an official record for the fastest one hole. So this is like full sprint now. 
has to be 500 yard par five. You can't okay. have like a dinky. Oh, I played the par three. So it has to be 500 <laughs> measured yards, right? So that's a nice par five. And I trained for this thing. I studied the video of the You're previous in like a record full sprint holder. On this, it's dead sprint, 400 meters. Yeah, Damn. like Van Niekerk, South Africa, 43 flat. <laughs> not that, not quite that fast, <laughs> but you can't waste any time. Especially, I wanted to beat this existing record, which was really impressive. So, if I can, if I can engage a little more in this fun thing. So I, I saw the video. And I'm like, well, shit, man, I can sprint and I'm a good speed golfer. I'm, I'm going to go bust this open tomorrow night just for fun, not official. I'm going to go put my watch on and go out to the course. And I was, record's 150 and I did a 212 running pretty hard. Like, whoa. So then I went back next night and I said, I'm going to sprint this time and now I'm going to knock the record off. But I hit a couple bad shots because you're sprinting and trying to play golf. They don't go together. Ask Scott Stallings. No good, man. <laughs> uh, and that time was a 213. So I go back home, I get on the internet and email this dude in the United Kingdom. I'm like, dude, are you an Olympic sprinter or what did you do to break that record? And he wrote a nice thing back. He goes, let me tell you, Brad. He goes, I played that hole a thousand times and I practiced exactly where to hit each shot and to get into the groove of picking up the bag and racing to the ball and hitting the proper position on the green so I'd have an easy putt instead of a hard putt. So I practiced and practiced and practiced. And obviously this is goofy stuff. It's, I mean, there's Guinness World Record for eating the most crystals in your bowl here and all that nonsense. But like for me, I feel like I locked into this athletic intensity that I had as a young guy. And now I'm doing something that it's for fun. It's no big deal, but it, it isn't, you know, because it means a lot to me and it's something special. And oh, by the way, you have to get 10 people out there to witness. You need two timers. You need a filmmaker. You need a cameraman. You need an observable witness that you never met before. So you got to go find some mofo on the course that day and go, hey man, can you help me out do this thing? So I had to assemble my, my dream team in golf carts <laughs> filming me. So I show up at the golf course and there's 10 people around. My, my girl's there. She brings in her family. They drove three hours to, to support this whole thing, this crazy thing. Her parents are there, her sons. You know, it's, a, it's like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the spot now. And I got lit up and it was so fantastic to go for this goal because you realize like going to the gym and doing your workout and that was great, but it's not the same as going into the cage. You know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing that's going to recapture that. So if there's a way to find something that can possibly recapture that, as long as it's not a 50K, I totally support. What did you do? A 50? 55K. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's unbelievable. You're probably the, the, the most accomplished ex-MMA fighter, ultra runner of all time. I don't, I don't know. know. I think the Diaz brothers have done Iron oh, Man. Oh, I forgot about those yeah, guys. They're no joke. They're, they're, they have cardio for days, but they're also yeah. like close to my height and like yeah. a buck 60. Mm -hmm. So they're perfectly built for it. Okay, I put on this triathlon. After I retired, I did this and that business. I put on a triathlon. It was called the World's Toughest Half Ironman up in Auburn, California. And this dude, was it Nick mm -hmm. and Joey? Nick, I think. Nick and Nate. Andrew, Nick and Nate. Sorry, <laughs> Joey. That's the Joey comedian. Coco. So, so, <laughs> All right, um, cocksuckers. So, someone tipped me off and said, yeah, some, some fighter dude entered your race. He paid his full entry fee and entered my race. And so I looked up his email. He comes through the online entry. I'm like, dude, you don't have to pay to enter my race. It is a pleasure to see you. I can't believe you're doing this. Come on out. I'm going to celebrate you on the microphone. I mean, it was a big deal. You know, I mean, I'm amazed this guy's, I, 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 are you sure? Is this good for your fighting? You know, <laughs> he not only did it, man, he smoked that thing. He's so good. They're He's good. He's an They're athlete. Great. Yeah. They're That's when I first athletes. built my respect for, you know, I don't know what these fighters are doing. I have no 
association with it. But when this dude crosses the finish line, I mean, if you're not an MMA fan and you you know about this, and then my second thing was Romanoff jumping over the jumping over the fence and, and whooping on uh, McGregor's camp after oh, whooping could, on McGregor. Nurburgermenov, yeah, Nurburgermenov. Yep, yep. That was close, but close. that was one of the greatest sporting <laughs> moments <laughs> of the last decade. Too. Usain Bolt winning those races in the Olympics, <laughs> that was good. Tiger Woods coming back, win the Masters, but Nurburgermenov. Something like that. You're close. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just the beauty of sports. Joe, speaking of Joey Diaz, he calls yeah. him Kalabib, which is great. <laughs> it's, it's pronounced Habib. But yeah. Uh, yeah, man, he was a teammate of mine at AKA. I, uh, he came in right at the end when I was when I was on my way out. And uh, he was a thrill to watch because he would, he had had like a gang of fights in Russia. But, you know, the, a lot of guys come from Brazil with really padded records or, or from uh, Russia. And this dude's that? undefeated, you know, but he comes in here and he's going against some of the best guys in the world at American Kickboxing Academy in San Jose. And it was like, holy shit, he's ragdolling people. Like he's ragdolling welterweights that fight one or two weight classes above him. Like really, really special stuff. But um, yeah, that's a whole side note. Well, I want to talk, I want to talk to you a bit about Listen how- to this podcast host bringing shit back. Isn't that good? I mean, we're going <laughs> off on speed golf. I'm trying to bring it back to MMA. <laughs> Kyle's focus. You know, it's all, it's all come to together. the show, people. I no, reel it in. Right now at halfway score, I'm giving you- a plus as a host, you're doing your, you're in your element. I well, love you it. host too. So that means I'm a trying. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm trying. So we have, um, obviously a long history of misinformation in the sport of running and especially in the sport of triathlon and anything that's endurance when it comes to diet and nutrition. And there's guys like Tim Noakes and people, and of course yourself and Mark Sisson who have really started to change the way we view what is good food, especially for racing and anything that has to do with Fuck it. From lifestyle to performance, you know, really reversing what that scenario has been that we've been told and force fed since we were young. Talk about how your diet has changed over the course of your life and and really where you started to gather that information from. Oh, boy. Yeah, I wish we'd known what we know now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, our local boy, Dude Spellings, Austin, Texas. We just did a podcast. He, here's the latest, greatest trip out on this. After doing an extremely difficult, arduous, long distance event, fast. What? Wait, what about my hot fudge Sunday pizza beer? <laughs> we know that autophagy peaks when you're fasting and cellular repair and immune function and all those things that you desperately need after you've trashed your body and generated all this massive inflammation and oxidative stress from doing the the, the 50K. You should have gone home and fasted, Kyle. <laughs> that. Yeah, and we know from the FASTER study, I don't know if the listeners are familiar, F-A-S-T-E-R was the study by um, Dr. Volek, one of the early keto pioneers. Mm-hmm. And they took those two groups of ultra runners. One were long-term fat-adapted, low-carb lifestyle, and the others were regular high-carb eaters. And they did a three-hour exhaustion run on the treadmill. And these, these fat-adapted guys came back the next day and their glycogen was replenished. It was an absolute shock to the community. Like, how did they do it? They didn't eat. I mean, they eat, they're fat or they're whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, f- uh, a byproduct of fat metabolism when you're low-carb lifestyle is that those glycerol molecules get repurposed. I might be totally effing this up. So, um, But you're, you're making more glycogen as you need it. And then gluconeogenesis, obviously, you can convert uh, amino acids into glucose to restock glycogen because we really want to restock glycogen, survival instinct. We have alternate ways to do it. So this concept, Dr. Noakes, the best. You can look at lore of running. He's the premier exercise physiologist in, in the endurance scene of all time and a longtime runner, ultra marathon runner. 
he, he started getting diabetes as an ultramarathon runner, the most preeminent physiologist going, what the F is going on here? And he's not sitting on his ass. Right, he's, he's running not Comrades Marathon 52 miles every year and doing all these things and eating healthy, health conscious, portion conscious, not a, not a slob in a lab. And so he's a great uh, beacon here because he changed his views and changed his belief. He's got a book called uh, Challenging Beliefs because this is his life's work and his reputation. He got attacked in South Africa. He got sued he got on the sued, stand yeah. Yeah. by some some mom who, you know, he was saying, don't feed your kids carbs. That's a different story. But so, you know, we've come to this awakening that a fat adapted human is much healthier than a carb addict. And then when we go into athletic performance, we can uh, see these benefits too. And I think, you know, we're just on the starting surface now. But these these record holders, even maybe in the tour, are going to be guys that aren't putting sugar in their body because they're upregulating this ketone production and this fat metabolism. So it's fascinating. But also the recovery aspect, I think, is big, where if you're not stuffing your face with this nutrient-deficient, crappy food, just because you got a free hall pass because you're lean or you just burned 1,000 calories in uh, whatever you know workout you just did. I actually did a calculation in our new book. Mark and I got a book called Keto Longevity coming out. But I remember this guy coming to a Super Bowl. We did a 100-mile ride in the morning and then a Super Bowl party in the afternoon. And he came in with a bowl of eight avocados, uh, a shaker of salt and a couple lemons. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice offering for the for the buffet, for the potluck. That was his deal. And he ate the entire <laughs> goes, thing. No, I'm not giving this to yeah. anybody. He sat in the corner of the couch. He was fried. <laughs> I mean, he hung on that 100-miler, but he was like above his level. So he watched the Super Bowl for five hours, you know, sat in one spot, ate the avocados, ate the other stuff that the other people brought, but he ate his avocado thing. So I calculate this whole thing out. Okay, on a 100-mile ride, you're burning 800 calories an hour. That's this many. And he came out with a net uh, a net gain on the day. In other words, he gained gained a little. Yeah. <laughs> so the calories in, calories out has been destroyed as completely um, unsubstantiated in real life. And now we can have you know, people waking up to realize that these crazy goals that I'm pursuing where I'm burning all these calories and, and obligated to slam my face down with carbohydrates, we know it's unhealthy now. Before we didn't, we thought it was cool. You know, you get to eat a lot because you're a runner. It's awesome. You know, my favorite thing about training for a marathon is the pizza and beer. All right, all right. You know, that's a mentality and you're allowed to enjoy your life. And it does mitigate damage from eating pizza and beer in the cube. But boy, there's, yeah, there's a new horizon now. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You touched on a bunch of cool things there. That was something that like I got it. I got into the ketogenic diet and was introduced through guys like Finney and Volek. I actually heard um, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino speaking on the Tim Ferriss show in 2014 and then Peter Atia as well. And I was like, shit, I need to give this a run. And it was right as I retired and I knew I had some, some TBI yeah. and some brain issues from fighting and also playing football since I was 10. So that's really what bridged the gap for me to get in. But all wow. this stuff coming out about fasting, you know, it's like, oh, shit. And I used to think back to, you know, after my fights, even though the worst fights where I was the most dinged, I, it's time to celebrate. I'm going to mm -hmm. eat like shit. I'm going to drink alcohol. I'm like, I should have been drinking salt water and not having a damn thing else. And then I can party and celebrate later when all that inflammation returns mm -hmm. back down to normal and my brain can actually clear out some amyloid plaque and tau proteins and I could heal from that experience. It's crazy to think about that. You know, you're talking about it now. It's like, yeah, that, I think it's a different mindset. Obviously, if we have this, we a lot of people continue to look at uh, working out and then food as a reward, 
right? Like how do we reward ourselves for this hard work? And you really can't look at it that way. Food can't be about pleasure. It can certainly taste good and be something that you enjoy, but it shouldn't be the reward for, for doing a hard workout or com- competing in a competition. Like that's, that's not going to lead um, to good stuff. I would say it's probably you're setting yourself self up for um, disordered eating of some nature, right? If you're, if you're equating caloric expenditure with caloric intake, that's heading down a nasty, slippery slope. I'm not an expert. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm an uh, eating disorder specialist. Is not in their head. You just can't do that, right? So you know, yeah. you got to go by your hunger signals. And but I think the athlete, the big mistake the athletes made is, um, you know, the 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 free pass to, to eat a bunch of food and of of you know uh, poor quality of a certain percentage. And we know we got to go get our training table salads and steaks, and then the athlete will go and slam down extra stuff because they they don't have a excess body fat problem or something but that that inflammatory uh, free radical inducing sugary food the athlete's the one that suffers from that tremendously because they're eating so much more of it than the cubicle worker yeah, yeah. so we we should be cleaning up our diets more than the average person but generally especially the, the endurance scene is I mean, these are billion-dollar industries where they're doing gels, blocks, bars, cookies, crackers, cakes, lotions, potions, sugar thrown down your throat. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, th- I think that's also another concept to, to really lock onto is that if you're creating your own acute inflammation through exercise, you shouldn't add to that with inflammation from your diet. Like, that should be the last thing that you want to do is have some type of inflammatory diet. And I mean, anything can be a problem if there's too much, but... <clears throat> there's still people I know that are that are loading up on pasta on race day or after. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, you touched on glycogen restoration from the ketogenic diet, uh, that faster study that they did, and that makes a ton of sense. I had Dr. Sean Baker on the podcast, who's a huge proponent of carnivores, been on Rogan's, and um, he was saying like, there's there's no lull, and even if it's from which it's not as clean to make. Um, to make carbohydrates and glycogen from protein through gluconeogenesis, it's not as clean as, as being in a state of ketosis. But at the same time, your body's only creating what it needs. It's not mm-hmm. creating an excess. So once your liver is full of glycogen, your muscles are full of glycogen, your brain has enough, and, and the liver can kind of delve that out bit by bit through the night as needed, that's it. It's not going to create more than it needs. So really thinking about that, like if we can create our own carbohydrates, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a lot further and be a lot less damaging than if we're constantly trying to source that and being on this repetitive wheel of, fuck, when's my next hit of carbs? Like every two to three hours, when's my next hit? Oh, that's what we were trained to, to, to think, that we, you better be responsible and eat in that window of opportunity, we called it. I used to sell stuff on a website and all the bars and, and drinks and all that. And it's like, I think that's a, we got to make this important distinction now because um, if you're not, in a fat adapted dietary pattern and your carb dependent dietary pattern and you go try to run a marathon on uh, liquid aminos and water you're going to be passed out on the curb and and calling for Lyft or Uber so you know you got to do some hard work to to ditch these uh in, offensive foods the grains and sugars and the refined vegetable oils which cause uh, dysfunctional fat metabolism so you can't turn into a fat burner if you got this these bad oils in your diet so it's like grains sugars bad oils athletes zero tolerance get rid of it 
then you can start awakening these amazing attributes that you're describing. Uh, but it's it's really tough to like go at it half-assed and be a halfway carb-adapted athlete. And especially, I remember like when Mark and I got this assignment to write the book about keto, this was really early on. There wasn't a lot of talk about it. I had to call up D'Agostino on the phone, go, dude, what? I heard the podcast, but why are you serious? What is this? They were, you know, It was like we had to jump in. So I did my intensive keto experiment, pricking my finger every day, seeing mm-hmm. what my numbers were, seeing this and that. And I think I did some a little bit of half-ass approach where um, you know, I, I still had a, a, a baseline demand for glucose in the brain and in my workouts, which I was still doing instead of toning it down a little bit to make this transition easier. Yeah. And I forget there's probably some term for it, but like your workouts are a little bit off and your brain functions a little bit off uh, and they call it the keto flu or whatever. And I'm like, no, this is bullshit. It's like, it's just doing it with a flawed approach where in my case, I, I attribute trying to do too much working out instead of just toning it down for a few weeks to get all the way over to keto, messing with the electrolytes and the sodium balance. So you got to put more sodium in because now you don't have water retention and inflammation throughout the body holding more sodium. Hey, you lost eight pounds. Your face looks better. You you, you were a fat face before. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's only two weeks. Well, you're also losing a lot of sodium. And so now when we know to do these fixes and do it properly, and you could say be patient, but some people are like cold turkey. Let's do it. So I don't think there's a secret like be patient. But if it's not if it's not working for you, you're not feeling good, then slow down, take a deep breath, realize we got a problem. The keto flu is bullshit. No one needs to go through the keto flu. No one needs to be cranky to their significant other. Otherwise, we're going to have problems. We're going to go back on the sex panel and have to start over. Yeah. <laughs> so I want people to feel good, realize that this is our bodies are adapted to do it. Everybody's you know looking good. If there's some issues, then you go to functional medicine and see that you have gut dysfunction. And so we don't want to restrict calories or try to drop body fat unless we're healthy in a healthy baseline state. But I think this excitement of the movement and that it works and it's great and the proponents are standing up there and saying, this is awesome, that's awesome. And then people go home and struggle. It's like, no, don't struggle. Do it right. All right, guys, I want to tell you about this amazing product called Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. It is absolutely fantastic. I've never made a purchase that mattered more in terms of how I sleep, how I train, and how well I recover. This covers all the bases. It gets into sleep cycles, which if you've read the book Sleep by Nick Little-Hales is incredibly important. It tells you how much REM sleep you have, how much deep sleep you have, and it factors in all sorts of stuff. What your average HRV was throughout the night and what your average resting heart rate was throughout the night to determine how hard you should go the next day based on your recovery score. And it manages how hard you work through the strain meter. So you have a strain coach as well. You can do live workouts now with the Strap 3.0 and much more in the brand new Whoop 3.0, including five-day battery life and 24-7 HRV monitoring. So check it out at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use code word Kyle at checkout for $30 off your new subscription. I like that. I like that. I like all the tips. And and um, I can't wait for the next book that you guys have. It's going to be awesome. The Keto Reset Diet is absolutely one of my favorites because it, in many ways, takes everything that was true from the from the beginnings of this diet and push to what's really appropriate now and everything from 
with what uh, Darth Luigi's doing in the keto gains community to how you can mitigate through targeted keto if you're really glycolytic doing, uh, you know, barbell training and stuff like that. But I think that's that's definitely more on the higher end of the spectrum for elite level athletes that want to continue on in a state of ketosis. But you guys really do do a great job of, of kind of bridging the gap. Something you had talked about in one of the panels that I really wanted to hit home and drive here is that our training changes over time. And it doesn't, it's not always going to be what it once was when, when you really can just roll out of bed and recover from anything. I remember being able to get shit-faced at night at college at ASU, and I'd be on the football field at 5 a.m. and running wind sprints. And it, I hurt, but I could yeah. do it, right? Yeah. There's no chance in hell I could do that after 30, let alone closing the gap on 40. So training also changes, right, as our body changes. You talked about really being cautionary when it comes to the marketing of fitness now. Can you dive into that for us? <laughs> oh man. Another one of the highlights from the from the panel yesterday. I also like the the answer I came up with after realizing the the mic was taking a long time to get back and forth. And I'm like, everybody's saying so many cool things. And it's like to reiterate what Kyle just said, no, 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 no. So that, I think the question was, um, oh, what are the big myths in fitness and how do you correct them? So I said, you know, one of the myths is like that every person on a panel has to answer every question. <laughs> yeah. Hand it true. over. Next. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, so, and it was fucking crickets um, too, though. <laughs> like only our moderator <laughs> laughed and I laughed. But it's I so got true. some props from Kyle. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? So, so just talking about like, like, what are, what are the things we should be avoiding with the mass marketing of what fitness <laughs> right. should look like? Yeah, right? yeah. Cause like, Hey, I love the CrossFit scene. It's an incredible workout, the blending, the bounce and the creativity. And for me, I've done some where I'm hitting that two third mark. I'm 54 freaking years old. I'm not 34 whatever. I hit the two third mark of a workout and I'm like, I'm going to get some water. And then I'm going to go get in my car and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. You know, like I just felt like this is enough for me. And in a group setting like that, especially when they're clapping for you at the end or whatever, yeah. sometimes we get drawn out of that intuitive notion of what's, what's the right balance, especially when it's community building and you go there and you go five times a week. I'm like, that's great. Go five times a week and be a volunteer on two of those workouts and yeah. help beginners with their form and do PVC pipe instead of the instead of the weight. So that fluctuating of stress and rest, I mean, the top athletes in every sport know this and discovered this long ago, that you got to push yourself sometimes and you got to really take it easy and recover, recover hard. Joel Jameson's message, I mean, that's just incredible rebound training stuff where the harder you train, the harder you have to recover. He did a podcast with me just what, six months ago. And I'm like, he said that, like, it's obvious, but I, I like had to think about it for hours afterward because I never thought in that context. I always thought, go, 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 and then be a good boy and sleep your 10 hours a night and take a nap and lay on the couch and don't do, don't lift any sandbags for the pouring rain. Get your neighbors to do that, you know, but it's like move around and recover properly and spend more attention and time and energy on recovery due to the due to the amount of training you did. So that's a big one. That's not answering the question, however. No, but, but that is this important. This marketing hype where we're socialized to think in endurance that marathon is the ultimate. In triathlon, it's the Ironman, which is a brand. Those of you who have tattoos on your body, how much did they pay you? <laughs> it's like a Nike swoosh. What? They didn't or pay the you? Or the NFL Raider, you yeah. know, the Raiders tattoos. Yeah. I mean, I've gone on record. I will get a Nike swoosh on my body for 
uh, $1.7 million. We'll start talking at that point. I think I'd do if 100, it's visible. 100 grand, I'd do yeah. it. Depends where it is. Yeah, 100 yeah. If yeah, it's maybe. a neck tattoo, yeah. maybe a million. But if it's, if it's on my ankle or something, <laughs> yeah, Tiger Woods rocks, I'll do that. If it's, it's, it's on the forehead, then we're talking. But the branding and the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the hype around these events, we watch them on TV. We watch the great champions. We want to be like them. We want to approximate the challenge and get that same deep inspiration. But there's some stuff to filter through first. And one of them is you got kids, you got a family, you got other disparate goals. Then you're not going to be like that guy you saw on TV who sleeps 12 hours. I, I was asleep for half my career. I don't know about you. I slept 10 hours every night for sure. Two-hour nap every afternoon. And if I missed my nap because the line at the post office was too long, then my swim workout didn't feel quite right. I was off a little bit, you know, so I was obsessed with sleep and all those great things. But when we're juggling so much in life and we have the, the scales of justice, you know, Miss Liberty with the balance mm -hmm. thing, we have work over here, we have family, we have fun stuff. Stress is positive too. Stress equals stimulus, not negative. We, call, we say stress is negative. This is stimulus to the organism. So all those things are on one side of the balance scale. So when you go, oh, it's a great stress release from my job. I'm training for the Ironman now. It's like, dude, why don't you just train for a sprint and make it be an athletic experience where you're actually competing and working on your form and maybe challenging with your teammate and, and trying to you know beat a certain workout time so you can hit a pace because those other things are just survival events. Yeah. And I, I talked about on the panel, like if if I put a gun to your head right now, we can go run a marathon. Congratulations, Kyle. You'll be finished in whatever many hours. And if you're not prepared, you're still gonna make it. We might take you to the ER after to get your IV bags, but it's like, who cares that you finished a marathon? We want to do it right. We want to do it with intention and enjoying the process and setting the goal. And if you wake up with 102 fever, because I have coaching clients over the days where they, well, you know, the entry fee was 600 bucks. There's no refunds. And I, I already got my plane ticket. So I, I had, had to, to take go. off work to leave a day early. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm like, but you had 102 fever and you started a, a race. Good thing it wasn't MMA fight. You'd be on the ground and it's it ain't no good to go do something when it's not a peak performance event. I have no respect or like, not, not me judging. I'm saying maybe you shouldn't have any respect for just the dragging through life. Just like, did you get through your day? Wait, is that the title of Aubrey's book? Get Through the Day by Aubrey? <laughs> oh, let's pan over there, you visual watchers. It's not called Get Through the Day. It's called Own the Day. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference. This show sponsored by Own the Day, which That'd you can a, find on Amazon and other retailers. That would be such a fucking great title. <laughs> Get through the day. Limp into work. Get through know? the effing day. Yeah, yeah. So we want an appropriate goal. And you talk about the fighters who are hanging on too long. Maybe there's endurance athletes. I, I think the guys that I know that are still going, they love it, man. It's in their blood. It was out of my blood after those phone calls and my ass getting kicked a lot. But whatever turns you on and gets you going, that's great. But make these goals appropriate to your certain life circumstance and also predictive of longevity and health rather than opposing health. Mm. Fighting is not in concert with health. Sorry, fighters. It's uh, just the truth. Ironman racing is not in, in conjunction with health. It's compromising your health. Oh, Simon Whitfield, I dropped my, my boy. He's the Olympic gold medalist in triathlon in Sydney 2000. He was the first gold medalist ever in the sport. He came back eight years later and won silver. No one expected him. A great career. Retired off into adult life. And I asked him, well, what are you doing? What are you doing these days? Like, you, you compete in something or whatever? And he goes, well, today I'm coached by my 80-year-old self. 
So everything is informed by what does that guy think of what you're doing right now? Is he shaking his head going, you're doing another fight, you you crazy <laughs> mofo? Or why are you going that far? Why don't you shorten the distance and do a half Ironman race or a, a half marathon or any of those you know, recalibrations? Or like me, I'm doing crazy off the wall speed golf record. I'd rather do that than a triathlon because I've been there and done that. And whatever the reason and occasion is, like it can be really important and uh, it doesn't have to ascribe to society's standards and measuring and judging. Another Damn. rant, man. We just, we <laughs> wind each it. other up and like, I love yeah. it. That's exactly yeah. where I wanted to go with it though. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, what are you guys, what are you guys coming out with, with keto longevity that sets <laughs> it apart from the keto reset diet? Uh, nothing, just rebranding different recipes. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, we're still There's recording. 28 days of recipes yeah, instead of 21. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, where do you go? And I think almost everything's been said what we need to say about the diet part. I think there's some advanced strategies that are important to cover and also kind of uh, avoiding those mistakes. And as it gets more and more hype, like my favorite hype thing is this dirty keto, <laughs> you know, like you can do pound or hashtag, excuse me, <laughs> old guy talking pound. here, pound, hashtag dirty keto. And you see like the sugar-free orange soda with heavy cream and ice and you slush it up. And it's like the, the, the thing we used to get in the mall in the old days, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, like a Slurpee uh, or something yeah, the, like that. The Blossom Hill mall or whatever your, <laughs> what's your local place called in San Jose, you know, you go to the mall and you get the orange bang the, or whatever. Yeah. Westgate. Oh yeah. Westgate the, the, mall, I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Damn, how'd you know that's fine? I, know, man, um, I, I get around. Yeah. It's like orange Jubilee or some shit like right, that. Right. Yeah yeah. 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 Uh, and it's okay. Cause it's keto. Cause it hits the macros, mm. you know, so that kind of ridiculousness. Now we got to get sensible about and realize that, you know, the benefits of keto are, you're approximating the benefits of fasting, which are long scientifically validated, undisputed, even by the freaks on whatever side of the equation we're on. Um, we can do it without starving ourselves. Otherwise, we'd just all fast and be autophagy all the time. I don't eat. It's great. I'm a breatharian. <laughs> I'm live forever. Yeah, they're called breatharians. There, there's like a guru. <laughs> he was uncovered on 60 Minutes like years ago, and he, he claimed he was a breatharian. But he just was with his, you know, his practices and his meditations, he could just exist. And then they caught him backstage, like shoving this butterfinger down his throat before he went on and gave his keynote. So sorry, breatharians. Yeah. Uh, so in this book, the, the diet thing has to blend into a comprehensive, healthy living strategy. And especially this aspect that we call mental flexibility. And Sisson has these talking points like pivot is one of his favorite words. And, you know, we've worked together for 10 years and he's a guy who knows how to do business, knows how to sell his shit to Kraft Heinz and cash out and be focused and strategic and all that. But he's had to pivot so many times and change course. And we talk about having a vision, having goals, having an execution plan and like, oh, crap, it's not working. So what do I do? And so he's had to become a master at pivoting and being open to new possibilities and, and changing course and not being attached to the outcome of, oh, this is, you know, this is how it's supposed to go because I say so. Listening to alternative voices and being open-minded constantly. And we've re redone books saying, yeah, we used to say legumes are bad. Now they're okay. Rob Wolf said that first, I think. Like, oh, peanut butter, it's okay. So for like 10 years, I didn't eat no peanut butter. Yeah, he wrote, like, the paleo, oh, okay. he wrote the paleo solution and he was like, peanuts, that's a legume. They're just blowing them up online. Like, what the fuck, Rob? I'm yeah. getting mixed signals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
this mental flexibility part, I think, is my, my favorite thing. We got deep into the research with like the Blue Zones and how they have these supportive communities and they go and meet in the afternoon in Okinawa, the longevity superstars, and they have tea with their lifelong friends. Mm. It's this concept called Ikigai, which is the centerpiece that community is. Um, the Bruce Lipton, uh, Biology of Belief, and Deepak Chopra, and they're working where your thoughts create your reality. And so if you think that you're not going to live a long time and you think or you're worried about getting cancer like your parents did, these will manifest into reality. Where if you set a different intention and if you talk uh, poorly about this, people check out. So don't check out yet. You know, I'm not a woo-woo guy. I'm pretty much no, you're, a you're realistic in, guy. Right where you went is exactly where I'm going. I'm going to talk. Yeah. I'm talking to Luke's story about getting Bruce Lipton on, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, this, this so much of this falls in line with exactly what the teachings in a plant medicine ceremony like ayahuasca mm-hmm. are. Like yeah. you, you become very, very clear and very visceral about the fact that thoughts do create our known universe. No yeah. question. Yeah. And so like the energy in the room. You walk into a room and I feel like there's positive energy here. There's positive energy at the table. We're sitting down, Ben was there and I just kind of stopped. I was going to another table, but these these things are are real. So, you know, you walk into a party exhausted as an example. It's such a long day, I'm tired, I'm burnt out, but things are lively and your energy picks up. And it's, boy, our thoughts have so much control over things. And then, you know, stating your intentions and all that stuff. Uh, we all need to get better at this and and believe more. And so if right now you're shaking your head going, I don't believe in that bullshit, those woo-woo fairy people, it's like, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no matter what you, you believe, don't believe, you're correct. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And oh, you don't understand genetics. My whole family has a, a obesity gene. And so I'm headed there. Have you done your? Yes, you are. Have you done your twenty three and Me? Have you ever looked uh, at that? DNA Fit? Okay, I do. DNA Fit. Yeah, those I like, guys are. Oh, I, I think DNA. My, I've yeah. recommended a ton of people yeah. to DNA Fit. I think they're great. I had my twenty three and Me done, and I outsourced it to Doctor Rhonda Patrick for a tender ten dollar donation. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Right? I did that. But Crazy. I had, I have the genes, and it's funny because when I look around all of my relatives, I have the genes to be obese, and I have the genes for type two diabetes, and I have half the marker for Alzheimer's dementia, which which runs on my dad's side of the family. And guess who's not obese? Guess who doesn't have type 2 diabetes? Guess who's not going to get Alzheimer's, right? Like all those expressions are the potentials of what could happen if we're doing it wrong. Right. Or if we're doing it right. Not even potential, but like you're damn sure you're going to do it because you have those genes. Yeah, you're going to do it. You're going to get right there and and right in line, maybe worse. Because your parents, my parents ate better than we did when we were kids, yeah. you know? So like this predisposition concept, everybody Fs that up and thinks like, you guys are saying genes don't matter and all. they're tremendously important. And, you know, uh, we better respect that and take take aggressive action if you happen to have lousy genes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, the DNA fit test where they give you this ratio of your um, genetic predisposition for endurance versus strength. Mm. some lifelong endurance athlete, you know, whatever, I'm figure I'm a big endurance thing. 54% strength power and 46% endurance. What is that gene called? Is it like actin three or something like right. that? Right, it goes yeah. on the chart and there's yeah, a they few could see, They could see if it's in the muscle tissue, then they yeah. know, yeah. So yeah. My wife ran uh, cross country at NAU and was oh, all so distance her NAU whole life. NAU is big time distance running. 
better than the big school. If you never heard of them, they're they're the kings of the planet there. And Northern was, Arizona University. And yeah. I was just down south of her in Phoenix in mm. uh, uh, at Arizona State, the number one party school in the nation. So we didn't point of distinction. We didn't meet each other in college, but um, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> shit, I forgot why I brought up my wife running an NAU. Oh, her genetic uh, the genetics. Balance. Yeah, so yeah, exactly the same thing. We we finally get that done, and I knew that I had, had some form of being a power athlete from right. all the days in football to my affinity for strength in wrestling, jujitsu fighting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but interestingly enough, like she had that too. So now as she trains high intensity intervals, like that's the hack for her fat loss. Cause she used to pound, you know, same thing. She got injured in college and quit her uh-huh. sophomore year because her coach made her run through a metatarsal break. Uh, sorry, you know? Natasha. Yeah. I, I'm that's, telling you where I, I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. It's disaster. What a Sorry, coach, but that's bullshit. Total bull. You have, Total you have bullshit. a freaking thoroughbred that comes to your campus and you treat him like a mule. Yeah. No I doubt. remember a pop-off from one of my fellow athletes one time where I was talking about my struggles in training. He's like, dude, why are you train like that? You're a thoroughbred. You're not a mule. And I'm like, oh, and now I can go believe in myself as a thoroughbred rather than believing in myself as a mule where I got to get up and work hard and be grind, tough and all grind, that. Grind. It's like, no, man, I'm a, from this day forward, I'm a thoroughbred. You know the thoroughbreds? Uh, they have a term called exercise. The horse exercises every day. The, the, horse, the, the horse boy takes them out and runs them and, and washes them down and rubs them and stretches them and they, they run around the track or whatever. It's only once every two weeks that they do a workout and the workout is with the watch and the jockey and they do a, a, a destined workout. They're going to time them for 11 furloughs or whatever, furlongs, whatever. But like, this is the finest racing animal on earth. And they take exquisite care of that animal because the animal costs $13 million. I don't cost that much. I'm 1.7 for Nike tattoo, right? But like <laughs> these animals, they know how to train the thoroughbred. There's millions and millions of dollars at stake. They're very good at training thoroughbreds, except for at Santa Anita, where the horses are keep dying for some reason. But um, if we can take that analogy back to the human, where you need to open it up much, much less frequently than you think so. But if you don't open it up once in a while, hey, you're going to regress. And when you're yeah. 38, you're going to be worse than 28 and 48. But it's like, open the throttle once in a while when you're feeling it and you're totally pumped up to get through, uh, excuse me, own the day, right? And then the rest <laughs> of the time, go with the flow. Take care of it. Take what your body gives you every day and nothing more. If you're taking notes at home, take what your body gives you each day and nothing more. Don't be a wuss and, and, and you know, not, not start or talk yourself out of because you're not motivated, go there, see what's happening, get in touch with your body, and then, you know, let it flow. But it's like way overboard on the on the work hard side and not enough attention to rest and recovery. Dude, you absolutely smoked it, brother. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Brad. We'll have to do it again next year. Thank you, Kyle. Where can Good people stuff. find you online on social websites, any of that dude stuff? Uh, go to Nike. Oh, excuse me. No, they didn't pay me yet. Bradkearns.com. Thanks for, thanks for asking. I have this podcast called Get Over Yourself. I want you on there. We're going to flip the, flip the mic over. I want to learn more about MMA and climbing out of the cage and getting in the cage. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun new podcast. I've been on the Primal podcast and talking about keto and training for six years and hundreds of shows. So I wanted to branch out into like health, fitness, peak performance, relationships, happiness, longevity. I had Adam and Vanessa Lambert talking about plant medicine on there. Oh, like, you're talking to a wussy boy who like, I didn't put anything in my body when I was an athlete because I wanted to feel everything. I didn't put ibuprofen. I didn't put caffeine. I wanted to know if I was tired and all that stuff. And now like you 
listen to an hour show on that, it's like, oh shit, so I can expand my beliefs and go right into that, you know, live in that zone. It's very interesting stuff happening. Oh, yeah. You're on the cutting edge, man. So keep it up. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thanks Thank for listening to the Kyle podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to my man, Brad Kearns. I'm going to be jumping on his podcast in the near future, and I will for damn sure get him back on the show because we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg with Brad. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening.